multiple prophets were sent to warn the people of God as to how their choices were leading them astray. But what happens when good people do nothing while others feed the egos of misguided leadership? This week's study, the destruction of Jerusalem, this once great city that was supposed to be chosen as a witness of God's love. Offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Welcome to Sabbath School U, and I am Elroy Byam, and I'm here with three wonderful guests, very esteemed guests, if I might say so myself. Please introduce to the audience your names, and for a question, where would you like to go around the world? My name is Evelyn Torres, and a place I would love to go is the UK. UK, okay. Yes. That sounds like lots of fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, my name is John Davis, and I would like to go to Tokyo, actually. I've always been fascinated with Japan. Okay, awesome. Um, my name is Marcellus Ashley. Um, I think I would like, oh, for the past couple of months, I've actually been kind of excited to one day see um, the Milky Way from Australia, because I've heard that like the sky there is like, you can just really see all the stars and specifically like our galaxy. Like you can see the Milky Way galaxy. And oh, okay. For a second, I thought your plans were to actually go <laughs> oh, no, see the Milky Way. Plans okay. too. <laughs> I said that so that you could infer that before I got to the earthly place, but yeah, yeah. Well, Marcellus, you know, thank I you. I gotta add something. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing your Milky Way adventures for us, but uh, for now, can you read you know. the memory text and pray for us as well? Yes, I will. I'm going to be reading from <laughs> Jeremiah 29, and the verses, or the thing says seven, but I'm going to start in verse four because of these words, thus says the Lord. All right. So in verse four, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Well, let's pray. Um, Father, show us your Son, give us his peace. In his name, Jesus, amen. 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 So we're talking about the fall of Jerusalem, right? Uh, the prophet Jeremiah was given a message by God, to tell you know, his people to repent, turn from their ways or idols as we uh, spoke about in a, a previous lesson and once again to turn back to God and they didn't. The kings uh, didn't listen and so here's what happens. Uh, Jerusalem is destroyed. So what causes were linked to this fall, this disaster that eventually happened? Well, I think you, you pretty much stated it in your kind of intro to the question. It's, it's the fact that they were not just worshiping idols, but they refused to listen when Jeremiah brought the message of, look, repent, stop worshiping these idols, stop listening to these false prophets, and follow me. Listen to my words and repent. And because they didn't do that and they refused to, that's why they were, they were destroyed. And something that's mentioned completed, completely um, or completely made obvious throughout the lesson is idolatry. You know, a lot of these people were worshiping idols, what they thought was behind God's back, and then some probably didn't even care mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they were worshiping idols, uh, they weren't uh, listening to the words of the prophets. But what similarities 
you know, exists today. A lot of times we like to cast blame and say, shame on those people in Jerusalem. But what about us? My favorite similarity, I'm jumping like kind of far into, kind of, kind of far, like 500 years or so into the future. Okay. Um, just because, not our future. Okay. Israel's future. Okay. I was like, sorry, I'm all inside here. <laughs> here, the same, <laughs> the same Lord. Lord. Okay. No, no, no. Um, one of my favorite similarities um, is that from this situation, from them getting carried away into Babylon and dispersed, um, and eventually they get to come back. And when they get back, like this, this situation affected them so deeply that they started to create laws and traditions in order to make sure it would never happen again. They were like, we have to keep ourselves on the road. And what they did in doing that is slowly turned the word of God into an idol because the word is supposed to be a person. These just, this just testifies about him. And boy, have we done that. Like, <laughs> we love to do that. It's, it's easy. It's, 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 it's not just like, I do it. I, I do it and, and it, it's, it makes it a lot easier. But like, man, did Israel do that. Like, it's, it's so sad how, how bad this situation affected them. Hmm. And it was inherited by us. Hmm. Isn't it sad that we inherit, you know, these values from some of the generations, you know, before us? And I mean, uh, so we're talking about the idolatrous worship. And Ezekiel 8 is another example of that, you know, if you wanted to jump out of the book of Jeremiah briefly, because a lot of these situations just keep Good happening segue. over and over and over again, right? So in Ezekiel 8, uh, you know, what influence does the prevailing culture have on the sacred uh, here, you know, is another prophet, and and God is pretty much uh, revealing to him all these different abom abominations. Anyone here would they like to expound on that? This is Ezekiel eight is is um, the Adventist nightmare. Like it's oh it's what it's what so many like alarmists have been preaching forever. Or Christian in Adventist, so yeah, speak. yeah, but specifically like. Mm -hmm. we go hard on this okay. in that like the world's infecting the church like mm -hmm. but that's what was happening like and it, like literally that's what was going on is they were bringing all of the things of the world into the church mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. even to the point of the, the the temple was supposed to it was set in the opposite direction of the sun so that like when you were facing the temple your back was to the sun and we see them in the temple with their backs to the temple facing the sun, worshiping it. And uh -oh. so like in the temple, like they're bringing all of it into the world. Like this one is, go ahead and be alarmed by that. Isn't that That's crazy though, in the temple? This wasn't just going on in their own communities, but they were, first of all, they were mixing all these religious practices. There's even a, a point in uh, Ezekiel 8 verse 14, uh, where Ezekiel says, so he brought me to the door of the north gate of the Lord's house and to my dismay, Women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz or Tammuz. And, and at this point, this was a Mesopotamian god where um, it talks about it was a, a Sumerian vegetation god who was thought to die and, and come back to life annually. So it's like, uh-oh. So here are all these other gods coming in now mm -hmm. to the nation. Now, um, God didn't approve of it at all. First of all, his law, thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's as simple as that. And they're mixing uh, all of these cultures. So there's Ezekiel 8, but what about similarities for today. Let's bring it back to today's world. Well, I think in today's world, we see some of that same thing. We see, you know, so many preachers and so many people going on television and other media aspects, you know, trying to, to convince us that, oh, well, they're, you know, the message that they're saying is true. You know, that, that well, no, follow, follow after what I say. Not necessarily follow after God, but follow after the things I say. And we, we, we see it very openly. 
um, in not just you know the world, but in Christian community itself. Uh, so many things that the Bible speaks against that we're allowing to take place within the church and within the sanctuary at that. You know, it's just, it's a repeat, it's a repetitive cycle. It just continues to, to happen again and again, you know, throughout Israel's time, even to the time of Christ to today. You know, we haven't learned our lesson. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the scary thing. You know, uh, in a lot of ways, we're all, you know, Jerusalem. You know, and I think we have to oh, yeah. be really careful. We're, we're an extension, you know, several generations down. We, we heard this message. Uh, some of us in. grew up with this message. Mm -hmm. And here we are, you know, uh, feeling like we know the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we walk in the light, so to speak. We, we hear the messages. And uh, isn't it a little dangerous to, to not think that, you know, we ourselves, our own Jerusalems could be destroyed if we don't, you know, listen mm -hmm. to, our, to our own message mm -hmm. that God gave us? And definitely going along with that, sometimes it's so easy to convince ourselves mm -hmm. of certain deeds or think, oh, you know, this is okay. I mean, I'm still good with God. He'll forgive me and that kind of thing. And then just continue doing it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, let's continue to talk about that. You had kings as well. There were, there were kings during this time. Uh, King Josiah uh, was one of the last five kings of Judah, all ending all the way with King Zedekiah. And here was a guy who thought he could bring uh, or restore the nation back, you know, uh, within his own power. He made an alliance with, with Egypt and with Pharaoh to make sure that, you know, um, when Babylon came to, uh, you know, to kind of, once again, rescue the nation, restore the nation so they didn't have to go into captivity. But that wasn't God's message. So in Jeremiah 37, verses 1 through 10, if you want to jump to Jeremiah 37 briefly, uh, we don't have enough time to read the entire chapter, but what was Jeremiah's warning to King Zedekiah? Well, I would say that his warning to King Zedekiah was that Egypt was going to go back to their land. You know, Pharaoh was going to take his army back, and the protection that they had was no longer going to be there, and the Chaldeans were going to come back, and they were basically going to destroy everything. They were going to set fire to the city, they were going to they were going to just destroy everything and you know and it's it's just so interesting because the king here here's the king hearing this message of what do you mean Each, you know we made it we made an alliance with pharaoh that there's that can't happen mm -hmm. but here here we are and jeremiah is warning him that nope no matter what you do this is what's going to happen mm. salvation wouldn't come from the egyptians exactly mm. You know, the message that salvation only comes from God. Yes. You know, no man can save you. God has to save you. I think that's the, that's the message and the warning in that. Mm -hmm. Isn't, that Isn't that tough? Here I am, this king, you know, uh, I want to hear a good message. I, I tell uh, my messenger to pray to God and uh, to give me news. You know, isn't it tough when you, when you hear bad news or news like that? Why would I want to give up my kingdom? Oh, uh, and I, I, I would agree. It's, it's hard to hear. And if you're full of pride, it's even worse because you're a great king, you know, you're a king over this nation, and here you are going, oh, well, I'm going to lose it all? But it wasn't working, like, yeah. similar to, like, no, I, I, yeah. granted, he had pride in it, but I think that's really the, the key to me, that, that, like, as a, if I were a leader, this is what I'd be into, is that, like, the system that I have is not working. And what I mean by that is God gave them a system that was meant to take care of everyone from the ground up, like it took care of everyone. They were, they, they, it made sure that, that everyone had food, like that no one was homeless, no one went, no one went without 
No one went without. Mm -hmm. Everyone had stuff. But like they had stopped doing that stuff. And so it wasn't working anymore. Like their economy was not the way that God set it up to be. And eventually he just he tears it down, like to build it up again, like to build a new one. And that, I don't know, that's exciting to me too, because like our our stuff isn't working. Like mm -hmm. and I, I get so upset, especially homelessness. Homelessness is such a big thing for me because I get so frustrated because I don't know what to do about it. Like I don't feel like I can affect any change in any sort of a homeless community. Um, it just feels too big. Why don't you feel that way, though? Um, because it feels like it's, Christ says you'll always have the homeless with you. Um, and so I'm like, well, then I want you to come back because you'll fix it all. Like, you'll, you, everyone will be taken care of then. Like, it has to be you. It can't be me trying to patch up um, the castle or whatever, that's a dumb example, sorry. You're <laughs> 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 patching castles, but like, yeah, I don't know. I just, it excites me that God is like, no, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna squash it all and, and start over. Mm -hmm. So God wants to start over, but the beautiful thing I think about God is that while Jerusalem is destroyed, you know, his people aren't destroyed. You know, uh, we're going to jump into Jeremiah 29 a little bit later on, but, you know, there's a letter there, you know, pretty much uh, saying that there's still hope, guys. You know, even though I'm destroying uh, the, the place where you live, I'm not destroying you. And to me, that's, that's a beautiful message that God has there. Uh, let's continue. We're talking about uh, the fall of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And, but it does get pretty ugly before it gets yeah. better. It gets yeah. a little Like gets eating little your ugly. children yes, ugly. It does. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely bad. not in the eat your and children that's, that's habit. There. Like, it, that's it, it's, it's dangerous. It gets yeah. dangerous. But if we jump into Jeremiah 40, uh, verses 1 through 6, we want to try to quickly make that connection to the um, rest of the narrative. Jeremiah is there with uh, Gedaliah, this governor. He comes from uh, royalty. And uh, even he himself... Uh, is receiving a word from the Lord at this point now. It's not even just the the prophet. Like God is talking to other people uh, now that uh, weren't fully connected uh, to the narrative, but they make their way in. Uh, if we look at uh, Jeremiah 40 verses 2 and 3, it pretty much says, And the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God has pronounced this doom on this place. Now the Lord has brought it and has done just as he said, because you people have sinned against the Lord and not obeyed his voice. Therefore, this thing has come upon you. So it's like, uh-oh. Wow. Why is this important? Yeah. Why is this important? And this is just part of the larger story. Any, any yeah. importance there? You know, I think it's important because, you know, the Bible says if we, if we don't listen, if we don't, you know, do what God asks us to do, you know, he'll have, he'll use whatever avenue he needs to. You know, and so the situation has gotten so dire that God is basically saying, look, People aren't even, they're not even listening to the person that looks like them, walks and talks like them. They're not listening to that person. Mm -hmm. So I need to take something drastic. And you know, yeah. well, let me take a captor. Let me take, take mm -hmm. someone who's, who's part of the, 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 the people that, are, that have captured you and say, hey, look, even they can, yeah. <laughs> I can even speak through them. Yes. Maybe, maybe you'll listen mm -hmm. if, I, if, I, if I do something that's extreme or something yes. that you wouldn't expect. Mm. I think that's pretty intense to have this captain, you know, who's, taking over or part of the siege, tell them and actually take God's word seriously and know about God and be like, hey, look, you guys didn't listen. Look at what happened. God, he came through with his word. And I mean, these people are the people that should have been like, you know, let's listen to God's word. Let's do <laughs> Yeah, and they didn't. 
Right? I think so. To me, I think it would be highly embarrassing. Yeah, that is. You're, you're, you're God's chosen. You know, you get this yeah, message and you're hearing exactly. this word from your prophet and now you have to hear it from somebody else. Oh, man, yes. that's such an awesome rebuke. Yeah. That's such, cool, such a cool way to rebuke someone. And it, it, I love it because, like, going back to the Ezekiel 8 um, with, like, the world inflicting or contaminating the church, like what frustrates me about that line of thinking in general um, is unless God is pointing, is literally taking you through the church and pointing the stuff out to you, it's really hard for us to discern what is the world and what is God because he created everything. Mm -hmm. And here, like you have people who are like, well, we know the difference. And a foreign nation's coming in being like, oh yeah, no, we know God. Yeah, we know him. You don't have a monopoly on him. But they definitely thought they did. Mm -hmm. And that's such a rebuke to be like, yes. you don't you don't know which parts are contaminated. Let me destroy it all and I'll fix it. Oh boy! And you know we like yeah. to hyperspace forward. Oh, you're going to say something? Yeah, right? I was going to say, and that brings up a, a good point or, or a good kind of symbolism in him destroying Jerusalem is it symbolizes the destroying of the chain that was keeping them bound to those idols. Mm. Because and and oh, we look yeah. at today, yeah. you know, we we get stuck in those idols, and sometimes God has to take those things away. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know. You know, I've t I have friends and they, you know, they are heavily into different things and, you know, something happens and now they can't do it. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily that they purposely decided I'm not going to do it, but something, it took a, a crisis to prevent that from happening any anymore. Sometimes you know? it has to be something drastic. Exactly. And I yes. think that's what, that's what destroying Jerusalem became is a drastic measure to remove the chain. Mm -hmm. hmm. So we're talking about drastic measures, removing the chain, destruction. These just sound like, you know, negative actions to me. It just sounds, it sounds like at this point, God is angry and upset and, 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 and just, just completely ready to just tear everything apart. But we don't often hear about, you know, God's love and, and mercy in the book of Jeremiah. But how did, how is God's, um, how is God's love and mercy revealed to his prophet in this book? How, how is it revealed to Jeremiah? I think it's revealed more so in how he took care of his people. Yes, he did he, you know, God's a jealous God. He destroyed Jerusalem, mm -hmm. but he allowed his people to live. And not just live, but, you know, it talks about in the, in the memory text that, they pro that he wanted them to prosper. He wanted them to have, you know, to, to marry. He wanted them to live and thrive. And, you know, if you look at that, that doesn't sound like someone who's really, you know, angry at you. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you think about anger in kind of an earthly, fleshly sense, you want that person to suffer. You don't just want it to destroy. You want you want them to to feel the anger, the, the results of your anger. But instead, he's going, look. I want you to understand. I was angry with the actions. I was angry with what you were doing, with the worshiping the idols, with not listening. But I still love you. I want you to live. I want you to thrive. And I think that's where the message of love comes in. But destroy my city in the process. You know, this place that we we work so hard to build and keep up. You know, temple notwithstanding. Yeah, but I think it also goes to him trying to show them that I'm not, I'm living. Mm -hmm. I'm living, so yes. I'm not the city. I'm not a temple. I'm not yes. an individual thing. I'm not an inanimate, inanimate object. I am living. So therefore, this city means nothing to me. You mean everything to and me. And not just the city, but their national identity, like, had become an idol to them and is to us. Like, and, and he destroys it. Like, he, they get, oh, man, like, seeing... Seeing um, the captives in captivity, like reading through Daniel, or, or um, I'm trying to think of the other place that like is really big on this. I forget. I can't remember. Sorry. Mm -hmm. But like seeing the captives like go through it, 
oh man, one of my, I have to, I'm going to sidebar. This is a sidebar. Go for it. But I have to do it. Um, and one of my favorite Psalms, oh, I can't even remember, but I, I know that I can remember the, I don't remember the text, sorry. Um, one of my favorite Psalms is about um, captives in going through the captivity of Babylon, right? Okay. Um, and it is so dark. Ugh, I have to find it now. I'm sorry. Can we talk about something else? While well, I'm in the meantime, while you're talking about captives, uh, let's talk about a letter that was written to some of the captives and to some of those who were exiled to Babylon early on, long before Jerusalem's fall. And this is uh, taking place in Jeremiah 29, starting to get into the meat of that story. Uh, we'll hear, we know one of the most popular verses uh, in the Bible, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, for I know the the thoughts that I think towards you. But let's expound on that. If you were a captive in a foreign land, why would you want to listen to Jeremiah's prophecy? You know, how does, yeah, why would you want to listen to that? And then on the other end of that coin, how does that, uh, you know, relate or reflect on our lives today? Well, I think if I was there in captivity, I would find it almost impossible to listen to that message because I'm going to be looking at life going, I had all these great things. My life was great before God came in and tore it all apart. Mm -hmm. So I think my heart would be a little hard to that message. Mm -hmm. You know, it would take some time to kind of really sit down and really go, you know what, it was for the better. And, and, and that, I think that's personal. And, and, and I, I think many of us would have that difficulty because, you know, you look at when nat natural disaster happens, you know, anywhere in the world, those people that are living there, you know, they're probably looking at, at things the same way. Why? You know, I had it good. God, why did you take it away? What was, what was the problem? Mm. And so, you know, although it's a good message, you know, it's, it's, the situa it's the time and place that you get the message that sometimes makes a difference. And then when you look at verse 8, you know, and looking at it in, in today's context, you know, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your, divine, and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, which ye, ye cause to be dreamed. And in today's context, you know, it's trying to warn you about people who are going to be in your midst who are going to say, God said this, or God said that. You know, I remember um, a few years back being in a situation and, and uh, some people that were close to me were talking about how, you know, I'm going to see this prophet who's going to give me a prophecy over my life. And they would come back and say, well, they told me that this was going to happen in my life. And I'm just looking at them going, are you sure that that was from God? And they just so wanted to believe it because it was mm -hmm. a good message. It was a message of, of prosperity. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we so want to, as, as humans, we want to hang on to the things that, that sound good. Mm -hmm. The messages of, oh, I'm going to get rich or the messages I'm going to live you know, that we, we have to be careful as to what we allow our ears to receive and then also pray for discernment to understand what we hear and is it really from God or is it not? So it's so tough. Plans to prosper and not harm. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, some of my people are still going into captivity. I don't get that. I mean, you know, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard to sometimes accept a, a message like that, that uh, there are plans for that, but I might not be a part of those plans, you know? There's a, this promise or this, this letter was going out uh, not just to the people, but to the entire nation in general. They may not have been able to experience it in their lifetime, but at some point, uh, even if you um, move uh, further into Daniel, Daniel is pretty much at the end of that reign. He looks back at Jeremiah and realizes that that prophecy was eventually fulfilled, where uh, you know they were finally coming out of the captivity of Babylon after 70 years. So 
it's tough sometimes. You know, you hear a message and you think it's for you, but it's not for you. You know, and I, and I think when, I, when you look at prophecy, many of the prophecies have taken time to be fulfilled. And as part of being a Christian and in your walk with God, you have to understand that God may give you a word and a message of something that's going to happen. You have to believe and have faith that it's going to happen, but it's going to happen when he feels it's ready to happen, not when you want it to happen. Mm. So, yeah, it could be tomorrow. It could be 50 years from now. You may not live to see it. You know, many of us want to be there to, to, be, to live, to be alive when mm -hmm. Christ breaks the sky. Yes. But that may not be his plan for you. Mm -hmm. And so, we, but we believe in, 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 that, in that that's going to happen. And so, you know, in this time, I'm sure there were a few people who were looking at this and going, you know what, I believe it's going to happen. And, and it's just a matter of faith, having that faith that, you know what, situation looks bad, but you know what, God said he's going to do it. And my God has come through, and every time he said he's going to prosper us, we prosper. Every time he said he was going to deliver us, he delivered us. So it's going to come true, whether it's now or whether it's after I'm dead. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So where is hope revealed in this whole Jeremiah 29, 11 kind of experience? You know, for those of us who are, who are just tuning in, uh, we're currently in the Jeremiah uh, 29 uh, chapter. We're talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem is finally taken, you know, captive uh, to Babylon, and we're we're trying to figure this out and how it's relevant to our lives today. Where's hope? Where's this hope revealed? Well, I think it's um, it, it shows us how God, God's plan for sin, how He deals with sin, um, and it's that like though they're destroyed and like, He's going to destroy sin, like He doesn't destroy all the people because like He doesn't just want to eradicate sin. He wants us to understand why He's doing it. Like He wants us to be on the same page as Him. And there are so many things that, like, when you're discussing something with someone, like you're trying to get on the same page and you just don't get it. And you may not get it for years and, until something happens to you and then you understand, like, oh, I'm coming to that. I understand now. But he's doing that on the scale of everyone, whoever existed. And so it's going to take a while to... Yeah, I mean, that's hard to imagine. I mean, I think about things that my mother and father told me when I was a kid and I'm, I'm now an adult and I go, aha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah. you know, I finally get it. Yeah. But... Man, how, how big is that to, that God has to do that with an entire nation? You know, that's, that's almost un incomprehensible. Hmm. It's difficult to... Well, entire to, world, all yes. of creation. Yes. Like, everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. Absolutely. You put it into today's perspective. I mean, we live in a world where it's uh, me for me. Uh, you know, we spoke about it in the previous uh, lesson, talking about idol worship and having our own idols, you know... Um, some people might, it might be a cup. Some people, it might be a, an actual statue. Some people might be their, um, their pastors or their spiritual leaders. Mm -hmm. And so how, um, how do we seek the Lord today when there seems to be so many people or King Zedekiah, so to speak, as we referred to earlier, that want to do their own thing? I, <laughs> no, I can't. I, okay, I don't, so I, I think for me, it's relationship. It's, it's reading the scriptures, studying, number one, to understand the word. Because if you, under, if you have an understanding of the word, when someone starts speaking and saying, oh, this is what God said, or this is what God's word says to do, if you have been searching the scriptures for yourself, you understand that, oh. Let me, let me say, sorry, I have to, I have to say this. Um, he'll do it. Seek him, he'll do it. Yes. It's up to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Seek him and he'll do it. That's he'll a great it. word. Thank you so much, everyone. We are out of time. And if you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, .org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It is for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Elroy Byam. <laughs>